Welcome to episode 24 of Storm the Norm, the fortnightly podcast where we pick up norms that come in the way of businesses succeeding in a disruptive world. I'm Narayan. And I'm Anisha Motwani. Storm the Norm is brought to you in association with Grant Thornton Bharat and includes GT Insights, a special capsule from a GT expert. On to today's episode now. Anisha, there's a driving analogy that I want to start with for today's norm. Mm-hmm. You know how if you're heading out on a road trip from Delhi to, say, Manali, mm-hmm. and as you're about 15 minutes from home, you hear about the farmers' protest in Karnal that has blocked that route and the landslide on the Shimla Highway that has stopped all traffic. Mm. Now, now, it's probably easy enough for you to reroute through a different route that bypasses Karnal and gets to Manali without hitting Shimla. Mm. But imagine if you're just 100 kilometers short of Manali and there is a bad landslide and there are no alternative routes and the authorities have basically said, there is no way you can go ahead for several days. What do you do then? Can I just pick option A and be able to make the call 15 minutes after the departed Narayan? <laughs> Smart choice, Anisha. Now, now I want to bring this in the context of today's norm that we want to storm. Mm-hmm. It's easier for startups than for established businesses to turn around. After all, if you've just started off on your journey, you can much more easily pivot or turn around or reroute than if you are well advanced in your journey, no? Naran, I have to admit that even without your analogy, I agree with you about it being easier for startups than for established businesses to turn around. I mean, just think about it. You've established not just a business, but a certain reputation ways of working, people policies, you figured out your ways around the corridors of power as well as versus the competition. Your company is now a machine, whether well-oiled or not, but it's bound by systems and processes. A startup turning around, on the other hand, is like someone on a motorcycle doing a U-turn. While an established business, it's like a long train that has to go in a different direction all of a sudden. You can't just switch tracks abruptly. Especially if there are no tracks laid out in a new direction in the first place. You'll just derail the whole thing. Exactly, Anisha. I mean, startups pride and tout themselves as being these lean, mean fighting machines. So what's the big deal about their pivoting? And in the first place, why do you need a pivot or turnaround since you were about disruption in the first place? And what's the need to disrupt the disruption so early in your journey? Seems like a cop-out to me and a failure to think through the feasibility of the original disruptive idea. There's a lot right with the startup ecosystem and I will upfront acknowledge it. Disrupting the status quo, finding exciting new and better solutions, harnessing technology. I mean, startups are good at storming norms. But I have to wonder, have we bought into a grand delusion when we actually push this out as a virtue that failing and failing fast is not only forgivable, but also the only way to succeed at scale? I mean, imagine you are an established business who misses revenue forecast and new product introductions. The street and the market would come down brutally on you. And yet, here we are celebrating the failures of startups and calling their attempts to turn around the strategic pivots. Indeed, Anisha. I would love to explore where and how this originated amidst the, in quotes, dude bro culture of Silicon Valley and its breathless entrepreneurialism. But I think we may have to do that in a separate episode altogether. Mm-hmm. But that is a pivotal, pun intended question, I think. Why do startups need turnarounds in the first place? And is it easier, as our thinking seat so far seems to indicate, 
for startups to turn around than it is for established businesses to do the same. You seem to be intent on making the case for the norm rather than storming it, Narayan. I, I am trying to be objective here in Asia, even though it may not sound like that. But I sometimes feel the hero worshipping of startups has reached somewhat reckless levels. I'm not for a moment trying to diss the ones that are genuinely disruptive and bring spectacular value to consumers in the economy. But I want them to be able to stand up to the same kind of scrutiny that we put established businesses under. And, you know, especially uh, if the startups are mature startups, you know, we've been into the startup journey for the for a couple of decades now. Yeah. There are the early stage startups who can afford to fail and fail fast, but there are some certain mature startups that have a responsibility towards mm. shareholders, towards their customers, towards, you know, uh, the business model. And that is where I think it becomes really challenging. And talking about objectivity, I think this is a good place to introduce our guest expert today. Rohit Kapoor is CEO of OYO for India and Southeast Asia, a seasoned professional with a mindset of a novice learner. He takes nothing for granted, holds no sacred cows, and in the f- and is actually the force behind the turnaround story of OYO. Rohit, it's a pleasure to have you here on this episode of Storm the Knob. So welcome, Rohit. Thank you so much for making time on a busy Monday for this uh, podcast recording. We're absolutely delighted and excited to have you here today. Thank you, Nara, and thank you. I'm excited to be on uh, this podcast. Brilliant. So I'm going to state the norm for the record and have your first uh, reaction to it, and then we'll go from there. The norm is um, that startups find it easier to turn around than do established businesses. What's your take on that? So, Narayan, I think the the notion that any business does not turn around itself is flawed, right? Okay. I think in a in a journey of 10, 15, 20 years, if I look at any business, it could have it would have gone through not one but multiple turnarounds. Mm. Mm. Now, unfortunately, turnaround as a word has a certain connotation which I don't agree with. Right? Okay. <laughs> Let let me give you actually an example which is slightly uh, different. So I I do a little bit of angel investing, right? Okay. And uh, quite uh, quite, uh, and some people do the same. So uh, you know it'll be a little surprising that uh, I look at the macro industry and mm-hmm. the quality of their team. Mm-hmm. I almost ignore the present business, not the idea, but the model that they're implementing, mm-hmm. right? Mm. For a simple reason that I know that if that company does well over time and they scale up, mm. they would have changed that model 10 to 15 times. Mm. And that's learning and evolution. Mm. So it's almost like a waste of time to sort of spend enormous amount of time if you're doing angel funding, trying to analyze the exact business model at that point in time. As now, it is true then, it is true throughout the journey of a company mm. that there will be phases of high growth, there will be phases of consolidation, there will be phases where cost restructuring is more important, technology product is more important, uh, and there will be phases where, you know, the market is there for taking and you again go for uh, for for growth and expansion, right? Mm. The question is, uh, is our startups more agile? Mm. I think they just need to be. I think it's also a matter not simply of 
uh, of ability it's also need right you know mm-hmm. startups are forever trying to balance uh, scarce resources to achieve what often looks like quite impossible outcomes right mm-hmm. so it is driven as much by the complexity and need as it by ability right mm-hmm. and equally i would say that uh, uh, having uh, worked in a you uh, know in, in one of the most successful startups in india today and uh, and worked with other promoters who are very high quality in the past both as a consultant and and uh, during my um, you know corporate career mm-hmm. i will say that to to label anyone that they can't turn around or they turn around slower or they are less effective at it it's it's a very broad generalization mm-hmm. uh, i think uh, it entirely depends on just two or three factors one um what is the uh, realization and intent of the person who's a person or the board or who's ultimately leading the entire uh, company second is what is the quality of team you have on hand to execute a transition and turn around uh, of that of any nature mm. and third is uh, really the culture of the company which has been created over time right mm. and cultures are uh, are sometimes uh, startups have fantastic culture some startups are not so great culture mm. equally true of others so i i i think this is a broad generalization which is sort of uh not entirely true uh it is very company specific it is very leader specific it is very team specific i i liked how you first uh you know blew a cannon in the face of the norm and then you kind of softened in the end but i'm going to stay with the first two things that you said that it is uh, don't look at it as a turnaround that itself is a strong starting point uh, and also it's not about ability it's about the need itself right but i want to uh, actually touch upon something else which is maybe a third facet of uh, of startups uh, which is that you know you might think that startups start from ground zero or a blank slate but in fact uh, what they do is um, they take upon existing inadequacies in a marketplace and therefore by nature they are disruptive right and so they're already off to a head start versus where the status quo is so when that is the starting point uh, why do you think there is still a need for evolution or why do they stumble simply because uh, understanding that there is a need or there is a point of disruption possible mm. is just not good enough for success right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's just a starting point like and you know uh, i think it is also very important to sort of figure out that what are the points of inflection on which disruption happens disproportionately right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me give an example i think the 2007 was a pivotal year when the iphone came out right, right? Uh, i think google maps coming to the world has enabled a host of disruptions to happen correct so sometimes the disruption is not just about uh, a particular need it's also a platform or a or an ecosystem which is developing and allows for very different way of serving the consumer right absolutely um, so uh, but but coming back to the point i think uh, you know i always say ideas are cheap uh, not to uh, not to sort of belittle uh, the 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 hmm. joy and the importance of idea creation but to drive home a point that uh, that only matters so much and up to a point right hmm. Mm. uh because there's so many founders there's so many companies which had a great idea 
and have been out executed by others mm. right mm. Uh, there is a fallacy of a first mover advantage for example right i can show industry or industry company after company where the second or the third movers actually created like very large companies okay especially in the digital space uh, because it is not so, not just about the idea and the why i'm using that as an example because they often learn from the opportunities and mistakes of the previous disruptor right right, right. so the so the disruptor is becoming disrupted way too often okay mm. uh, and hence to say that itself is enough is not true and uh, once you start at a point of disruption and what is disruption honestly it is it is a again a word which i don't like too much because mm. it, it seems like an aggressive shaking up of some space right it actually is about noticing a very one or two very simple facts is there a consumer out there and consumer could be consumer and b2c or b2b right? sure i i use that generically of course who's who needs a certain service often aware or not aware maybe and is today not satisfied with the value she's getting right and that is a wedge where disruption can happen that is often accelerated by different ecosystem advantages like the birth of the iphone or google maps mm. right mm. Mm. now but that's the starting point after that you know there is you know uh, every overnight success has been 10 years in the making yep uh so those 10 years are just hard work of uh, building technology teams understanding how to work with government society uh failing uh rising up again failing again you know uh, it, it's a uh, it's it's a lot of uh, blood sweat and tears so uh, i i i disagree uh, humbly with the notion that uh, having a disruptive idea is good enough it often is not Uh, you know this uh, i think you intended it obviously because you you said it with such uh, conviction even bigger for me than the insight that you just spoke about uh, of the importance of execution over over the idea not to peel it to the idea itself i think is uh, is what you referred to as if i may call it the second mover advantage um and in some sense that's what you're asking for with turn around or a pivot to to put yourself in the shoes of somebody somebody who's had the first mover advantage but doesn't just rest on those laurels but now says if i was the competition and if i had to out idea and out execute you then what should i do yeah and and i think uh, one of the personas which is very important to create uh if especially in markets where you may be a clear market leader uh is to imagine internally Mm. that if this if somebody were to disrupt you, you in the form that you exist yeah what could that look like and how to create the organization internally to disrupt yourself i yeah. it's a complex idea but uh it is a very very important part. and and i think the traits of those companies and i've lived, i've seen that at oyo very uh, all the time mm. is a, is almost a permanent state of dissatisfaction with the present reality yeah right and i i use the word permanent state uh, very deliberately mm-hmm. 
uh, I think we are a company which does celebrate successes, but we move on very from yeah. there, right? Uh, to uh, to to a point of fault where we are often sort of internally said that probably you should so you should uh, you know celebrate a bit more. But the, <laughs> the the way the mind operates is to say this is done, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, while we should celebrate and we should look into the past and all the glory, right? Yeah. Uh, where to now, right? Mm. And 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 why? And that creates a constant source of energy. Um, uh internal disruption uh as much as i hate the word uh, yeah uh, it's overused uh, one of the most overused words in the lexicon right um and it creates a sense of uh, purpose of renewal for everyone in the organization to say that every day i am here i have reached a point that i feel like a student all over again mm-hmm. because i have i have now zero based there so people do zero based budgeting yeah right? I think we do zero based everything every day. Hmm. So it's, yeah. It, it it just spurs you on to become better and better and better over time but have the having the humility to know that there's nothing called arrival. Hmm. It's a permanent state of evolution. Actually uh connected to what i was going to ask next which is uh, you know you obviously are going to be familiar with this uh, uh oyo itself having been born out of a thiel fellowship but one of uh, peter thiel's uh, original concepts of what is the idea of success or growth is it 0 to 1 or is it 1 to n uh, so what i'm hearing you say is uh, keep going back to zero and go for zero to one each time is that accurate yes in a way in a way yes but uh, the the value of that zero could be very different each time you stop right, right. <laughs> so uh, in a way uh, conceptually what you are saying is yes mm-hmm. uh, but i am making slightly a uh, different point i think i i value all skills mm-hmm. uh, i value skills about in team you should have a zero to one skill mm-hmm. right and by the way those who have have that skill should also learn the one to 100 skill because they mm-hmm. uh you don't want to do a 0 to 1 uh, your entire life right so and the uh, 100 to 10000 and beyond yeah, yeah. uh i think uh, some of the companies like apple or amazon or uh which are very very large today by any standard uh have shown that uh, if you just keep uh keep passionately thinking about the consumer passionately thinking about growth uh and rebasing yourself continuously in the process mm. uh, to achieve more and more uh while you could have a zero to one mindset uh still have a mindset of zero to one mm-hmm. uh you can have very very large outcomes at the end of it true okay so at what point um would you say uh, uh this is not a reset but it is an evolution i mean often startups need a pivot or a turn around either when they stumble or when they hit Uh, a stagnant point in evolution if you will at what point is it worth looking at and saying this far and no further or no no can't give up now still need to push for harder i think uh, look if we, if if you are looking for outside success i think giving up is the trait which doesn't exist right okay uh, uh if it exists it's uh, because giving up is not out of frustration one thing yeah. is that you really are down in the dumps 
uh, and you are giving up. I, I can imagine that there could be an outcome like that. And mm. There are companies which uh, may be forced into that kind of situation. But uh, challenges are every day. I think. Look, people think that there are challenges when there is lack of growth. There are even bigger challenges when there is all growth all around. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, I think just the might and, and uh, it's important to enjoy the process. Mm. You know what is not not so great is if you start stop enjoying the process and feel feel it like it's pressure, right? Yeah. Uh, I personally enjoy the process. I'm I'm very forward looking in terms of my mindset. I um, I'm almost bored speaking about anything in the past, mm. right? uh, especially questions saying like uh, I get a question sometimes saying tell me two reasons for your success and I said first of all. I don't even define myself as success, right? Mm-hmm. And second, it's too boring. Talk, talk about the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and what what I'm uh, energized by yeah. is the prospect that there is always, um, you know, better outcomes to shoot for. Yeah. And I think building a team like that, which sort of uh, uh, understands that mindset mm-hmm. of saying. Uh, you know there is something called a year end appraisal where everybody gets appraised and and sort of gets fair value for their stay but to be challenged month on month irrespective of that uh, is is the is the perfect dna of any organization and okay. look small companies don't have it and very large companies have it so again there is hmm. no connection between size of organization and agility right per se right set of principles that um allow us to A identify and B execute successful pivots and turnarounds. And please do feel free to talk about how you've gone about doing this at OIO itself. Yeah. First, before that, I think if if the team you yourself individually you're not enjoying the process, right? Hmm. It is very hard to be anything, right? It is likely to be a very short term uh, relationship with either the company, with yourself, or with the idea, right? Hmm. If you're if you're full always aware that there's a world out there which is way beyond what you're doing at at this point in time mm. right there are opportunities which are significantly more than what your last board meeting informed you about or your internal management meeting informed you about if you're connected to your consumers and your partners in a way which is far deeper than the quarterly report that you see on that topic right mm. if you are always bristling with new ideas about what more can you do in terms of bringing new products and innovation to the world uh if you're a if you're respectful of your competition right and treat them as an uh as uh not, not again not in a only in a competitive sense but also as a learning platform to say what they could be doing which is perfect significantly better right right uh, don't look to the outside world to critique what is out there but to see what is good out there and can we learn that some of these traits transform into a learning culture mm. because that culture will automatically in most cases mm. will create a right amounts of tentacles which the organization has mm. extremely outward facing and give you advance information on opportunities and risks ahead of others mm-hmm. and you have the internal ability to because of the learning culture to process respond 
change and often often change even large projects inside the company to what you calling pivot or in in the direction which is more value creative mm. right every startup seems to be pursuing valuation rather than value uh, how do you ensure that this path that you set for yourself uh, whether you call it evolution or pivot or turnaround but the forward progress if you're creating is not uh, obsessed merely about growth yeah so uh, uh, absolutely and, and i mentioned value creative and not valuation creative although mm-hmm. you know i don't mind that as well <laughs> uh, uh, i think uh, value creative is a much more uh, comprehensive multi stakeholder approach mm-hmm. uh, versus only uh, a world which cares about shareholder creative outcomes Mm-hmm. i think we are in a world where uh, unless and until multi stakeholder value is created uh, large success is not possible that's more or less the questions that i had i think it's just so much to absorb from everything that you've said thank you so much rohit and uh, look such a delight to have you absolutely thank you na thank you pleasure thank you. so nadan what did you take away from everything rohit said my usual question and i have a slightly different answer this time because i started off with that analogy so mm. i'll go back to that road trip analogy that we started with anisha we need to close the loop on that one yeah so for me the fundamental precept rohit outlined to storm this norm was this whether you are 100 kilometers from anali and the road ahead is blocked or if you learn of road blockages 15 minutes after you've left home there are two questions to ask the first do i still want to get to manali If yes then it will take longer now and that's not an unreasonable twist in the tale. The second is why do I want to get to Manali? That answer right whether it's for relaxation or adventure in extreme environments or to shoot a movie in that kind of a location will throw up alternatives about where else you can find relaxation or extreme adventure or shoot the movie. So pivoting at this stage will still get you to your destination just not the same physical place. That's such a that's such a beautiful analogy, and that that explains and summarizes everything that Rohit said so beautifully, nicely put, Nadan. Thank you. So yeah, I guess advice to self also, but don't be so hard headed about the need for pivots and turnaround. Yeah. I guess that's what Rohit was telling us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Anisha? How would you storm this norm? What hacks do you have for our audience? Uh, as usual, I've got five hacks. Okay. I'll start off. Yeah. most organizational transformations actually focus on productivity improvement mm. better faster and cheaper approach to how the company works it's a proven recipe for delivering faster results to bottom line but sometimes it's no longer enough to just focus on better financial returns but also to remake who and what they are as organizations doing the first is hard enough changing what your company is and does requires understanding where the value is shifting in your industry spotting opportunities in the inflection points and taking purposeful actions to seize them so if i may paraphrase it the first hack is this don't just change your spot spot the change and leverage it indeed indeed narayan i mean that's that's really well paraphrased in many ways uh, what uh, you know the the analogy that you used you know mm. why are you getting there you know it's mm. not where are you getting but why are you getting there 
um, that is the more difficult one. Answering that uh, will get a lot of solutions in place. Here's my second hack. The companies that are most successful at transforming themselves sequence their strategic actions so that the rapid lift of performance improvement provides oxygen and confidence for big moves that have to follow, whether it is in pivoting your business model, capital investments, resource allocations, or any big change that you have envisaged. And when the right portfolio moves aren't immediately available or aren't clear, the improved performance helps buy a company time until the strategy can catch up. Mm. So while no one can guarantee that your next big thing will be, remember the, the uh, Steve Jobs, the famous iPod breakthrough? Yeah. There's nothing stopping you from laying the groundwork for the successful all-in transformation. So it's not just what you do, it's when you do it that can make all the difference. Absolutely. And having the ground set right. So, you know, make sure that you're getting your basics and your hygiene in place so that you're ready to pivot when you have the next big, whether it's the idea or the model or the, or the segment identified, and then you're ready to go. Awesome. And here's hack three. Lead with capabilities beyond mere people, process, and technology. Even technology today is becoming hygiene, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have the capabilities for your new idea or your new model or your new pivot? Ultimately, leaders should move quickly past a people, process, and technology definition of capability because that's becoming very hygiene to mm-hmm. one that represents a more holistic and complete picture. For example, you know, what is your customer engagement capability? Mm. Are you revamping your data mining and market insights capabilities to achieve a single source of truth that's driving information to action in your business? Mm. Companies, portfolio and brand management capability. You know, many people think that brand, you know, is, is, is an indulgence and a luxury that can come much later. Um, while advertising can come much later, but the brand thinking needs to come in much, much earlier. Um, can that be upgraded to create a tighter link between customer pricing and your innovation decisions or some of your product solutions? Mm. By investing in these specific new capabilities that are clear gaps, businesses can separate itself from competitors and establish clearly, you know, give the pivot a chance to win. Mm. So in other words, don't just mind the gap, mind <laughs> it. You do always have a good way with words, Narayan. Well put. <laughs> Thank you. So on to the fourth hack now. Uh, I think breaking diseconomies in the value chain by unbundling. Uh, Many of these new age companies today uh, operate on a platform model where everything is linked to the other. It runs like a kind of a linear assembly line. And unbundling is a process where a series of products or blocks inside a chain are broken down to provide better value by removing the parts of the value chain that are less valuable to the consumers Mm. and keeping those that in a period in time consumers value the most. So with your first experience, you would have understood which parts of the value chain are actually bleeding and which parts of the value chain are adding to your value. Unbundling becomes extremely appealing when a whole industry has been built on this bundling logic. Mm. Therefore, the player is able to come in, identify the most valuable part of the value chain for the consumer and offer it at a more convenient price, thus breaking the trade-off between value and cost, 
unbundling can become a very powerful force and for me any startup that is today ready to pivot would have actually analyzed the various blocks and components of their value chain to understand which of these blocks can actually be broken out or removed so that the value chain becomes more efficient mm. i like this sometimes the parts are more valuable than the sum of the parts yeah i have to think in parts to get a whole solution and here's my final hack and you know i mean um, this is part of many many boardroom conversations and i couldn't help but bring it here um if organizations are starting on a new journey or or they've taken a detour and they have actually changed plans and they are they are ready to pivot i can't emphasize enough the role of weaving in esg in business transformation mm. very soon otherwise you will need a next pivot to factor in esg in your model mm. if you are pivoting now and if you are turning around weave this into your transformation mm. yeah like it used to be digital uh, a couple of years back you know have yeah. you factored in digital in your in your business model today digital is becoming almost like hygiene and yeah. are you factoring in esg so mm-hmm. like digital esg has the potential to revamp how successful organizations plan implement and operate having said that esg is a very wide subject it gets to the heart of why you are in business who you are as a company what your impact on the world is how you align your business model with the needs of society what you report how you engage with your people and with your stakeholders start with simple baby steps put a toe in launch simple sustainability targets and gradually scale up towards a more comprehensive integrated score you know that seems like a pivot on its own and not just a hack anisha but but i can see how it must inevitably be built into business blueprints whether at origin or at pivot no yeah absolutely right narayan maybe we it merits a whole new episode uh, yeah. but it was important to bring it in context to the businesses that are pivoting and transforming you know yeah yeah sounds good insightful as ever anisha so on to our gt insights uh, module for the episode today and to give us the insight today we have with us uh, grand thornton bharat expert siddharth nigam national managing partner growth for grand thornton bharat siddharth thank you so much for making time for this today uh thank you narayan pleasure is mine okay i'll just jump straight into the question um how does a startup whether at a early stage or at a mature stage go about actually executing the pivot or the or the turnaround uh narayan so taking a step back first i think uh, you know startups uh, actually die by what's uh, called a thousand small cuts which could include lack of capital challenging market conditions competition not having the right team and many such other uh, issues could take uh, you know lead lead to the business getting impacted mm. this list of challenges actually endless and a startup can you know quickly scrape to the bottom without even knowing what went wrong mm. many startups fail to find the sweet spot between product market capital and people it happens and it's nothing to be ashamed of honestly mm. but the point is that if the answer to any of the following six points uh, is even seven or eight 
on a scale of one to ten, it's actually worth redoubling efforts to rescue your dream. The first one is: Do you have a clear vision? Do you know your strengths, weaknesses, definition of your marketplace, and do you have a strategy that uh, uh, that that sort of speaks about this? Second area is: Can you set a few clear short-term goals and steps to achieve them? Thirdly, is there clarity on the one key problem your customers uh, have that you can solve? Next, do you have it in you to be responsive to trends early on and make necessary pivots? Can you rein in your costs and take tough calls on your spending without going overboard? Do you have the bandwidth and the founding team on board to keep challenging and refining your strategy and goals? You know, you can almost call these the six thinking hats for saving an idea that's just too good to die. In my view, you know, the key to a successful pivot lies in the following, you know, five uh, areas. Uh, first one being the key is one of your uh, one of your product features just needs focus and doing more with less as you pivot. Second, you need to define new goals, which could be around revenue, market share, anything else that align with your pivot. Understand your target group and their problems, and sometimes only pivot your market strategy. So you don't need to really make a big change in your business structure, but uh, may only require to invest in branding, messaging that addresses uh, this uh, positioning. And always fanatically analyze what you com- your competition is doing, both in India and globally. Uh, and finally, make sure your team is on board and you have tested the pivot thoroughly before you make any major changes. That's very, very specific and clear. Business has always uh, uh, faced difficult times. And I think as long as you put your thinking hat on, you analyze uh, areas that are of specific uh, problems and uh, then try and redefine uh, you know what you need to do uh, it requires the least amount of effort and uh, almost uh, a clinical approach sometimes helps in uh, you know solving uh, separating emotion from the problem absolutely thank you again for your time and for that uh, insightful take on it thanks naman norm that is urgently relevant today a deeply insightful and expert guest perspective hacks to storm the norm and a business perspective. That's a full plate to wrap up episode 24 of Storm the Norm, now powered by Grant Thornton Bharat. As always, there are multiple places you can catch us on. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and GeoSavan by just searching for Storm the Norm and on Savegama Karvan 2.0 devices on channel 453. This is Anisha and Narayan signing off for now. We'll be back with a new episode shortly. Thank you and talk to you soon.